Lord, teach us now. Teach us how to be human. Teach us how to be human the way you originally designed us to be. We ask it in the name of the model human, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I saw a cartoon the other day that depicts uh, Adam and, and Eve in the garden, and God is watching them. And he says, um, he says, oh, come on, seriously, are you really going to eat that? And underneath it, the caption is, and on this day, God created children. Another one I just have to share, it's Adam holding an, an, an eaten apple core, telling Eve, well, apparently he's upset about the apple, and he wants to see us in his office immediately. <laughs> Underneath it, and then there were Mondays. <laughs> the thing is, that's really not the way it was supposed to be, like in the beginning. In the beginning, raising children was not supposed to lead to insanity and sin. In the beginning, family relationships were not supposed to lead to heartbreak. In the beginning, Mondays and work in general, well, in the beginning, Mondays, yeah, they did exist, but they were not created to make us miserable or to be full of futility, right? In the beginning, all of these things are the result of Adam and Eve's sin and are a part of a way of being human that actually Jesus came to save us from. This is not the way it's supposed to be. So this is our theme today, the, a way of being human. There's the old way, the way of Adam, and there's the new way, the way of Jesus. By the way, this is a, the, today's sermon is the beginning of a series of sermons that we're calling a new way to be human. Over the next few weeks, the, this will be our theme again and again, a new way to be human. Jesus, us teach, Jesus teaches us how to be human. Have you ever connected the dots of Adam and Jesus? Adam and Jesus. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus is called the second Adam, the new Adam. And we're going to find out why right now. Let me tell you about the old way of being human and then we'll talk about the new way. The old way of being human is defined by distrust and doubt, cynicism. Um, it's a story so simple, this one and from Genesis, that everyone everywhere can understand it, and yet the meaning of this story makes sense out of both why I stole that candy bar when I was 10 years old, and also why there is a thing called nuclear war. It's simple and deep. And just to prove that point, let me read to you the story that defines the old way of being human. That's Adam's story, the story we just heard from Genesis, read, rendered, the way that I read it to my four-year-old daughter at night from this book. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. 
Listen to how this author, Sally Lloyd-Jones, tells the story of the old way of being human. She calls it the way of the terrible lie. Adam and Eve lived happily ever, uh, together in their beautiful new home. Everything was perfect until the day when everything went wrong. The snake slithered silently up to Eve. Does God really love you? If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Poor you. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. The snake's words hissed into Eve's ears and sunk down deep into Eve's heart like poison. She began to wonder, does God love me? And suddenly she didn't know anymore. Just trust me, the serpent whispered. You don't need God. One small taste. You'll be happier than you could ever dream. So Eve ate the fruit, and she gave some to Adam. And then a terrible lie came into the world it would never leave. It would live on in every human heart, whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. God can't love me. What have you done? God asks. The serpent made me do it, Eve said. And then a terrible pain came into God's heart. God couldn't let his children live forever, not like this, not without him. And there was only one way to protect them. You'll have to leave the garden now, God said, his eyes filling with tears. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise to Adam and Eve. It won't always be so, he said. I'll come to rescue you, and when I do, I'm going to battle the snake that deceived you. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness that you let in here. I'm coming back for you. The old way of being human is defined by that terrible lie, and humans have been believing the terrible lie that God doesn't love them and that his way of life is not for them to bring them joy, it's to make them miserable ever since Adam and Eve believed it. All through human history, all through the story of the Bible, that's the old way. Doubt, cynicism, distrust. So what does this look like in your life? Well, God can't possibly have given me the family situation that I'm in single or married or married and miserable or divorced or widowed or if he really loved me, if he really loved me, my family wouldn't look like this. Or if God was really for me and in charge of my life and had my good in mind, he wouldn't possibly have placed me in this awful workplace or taken away this wonderful position or allowed me to experience the abuse that I suffered as a child or watch my parents get divorced or take my brother with an illness or on and on. God can't love me. Does God love me? The old way of humanity is the way of Adam, the way of distrust. God doesn't love me. And this was true of every person in the Bible until Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ, the new Adam, humanity 2.0, a redo, will this new man, just as miraculously born, will this new man make the same mistake as the first man in the Bible? Now we come to Jesus, the way of the new humanity. Look at your Scripture insert in Matthew chapter 4. This is like the matching story to Genesis 3. Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse 3 and then again at verse, and then at verse 6. Notice how in verse 3, uh, Satan invites Jesus to believe the terrible lie. Do you see that in verse 3? He says, are you really the Son of God? That, does that sound familiar? If so, then give in to your hunger and make these stones bread. Jump down to verse 6. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Let your Father's angels rescue you from the coming trial of death on the cross. Tempting Jesus. Tempting Jesus. Interesting in Matthew's gospel at the end, don't, don't turn there if, if your Bibles are open, but in Matthew 27 when Jesus is on the cross, sort of at the moment um, when it must have been the hardest to not believe the terrible lie that God was against him or something. When he's suffering on the cross, do you know what the crowd and the religious leaders below him say? They tempt him again almost the same words. This comes from Matthew 27, 39. Listen and see if this sounds familiar. Those who passed by Jesus on the cross derided him, shaking their heads and saying, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And he trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants to. For he said, I am God's Son. It's the voice of the snake the voice of Satan in the crowd and religious leaders all over again. It's the terrible lie. It's the terrible lie. What does Jesus do? How does he respond in Matthew 4? Notice three different times in response to Satan's temptation to believe the lie, he responds this way, the same words. It is what? It is what? It is written, God's Word. No, no, I'm not listening to you, snake, Satan, tempter. I'm listening to my Father. God's Word says, God's Word says, God's Word says, it's written, I trust God. My Father is for me, and this is what He asked of me in His Word. Jesus, the new Adam, the new Israel, everyone else has failed and unlike them, he doesn't give in to the terrible lie. Sally Lloyd-Jones is just brilliant in how she connects these stories, and so turning all the way to the middle of the book by the time we get here. By the way, Daphne is always saying, Dad, read me the one about the snake. That can't be a good thing. I don't know what that's… <laughs> when we get to the rendering of this, this, our gospel story, listen to how she connects the two. Are you really God's own son, Satan said to Jesus? Poor you. 
God must not love you. You don't need to die. Just do it my way. No, Jesus said to the liar, I will do what God says. And from that moment on, nothing in history would ever be the same. Because Jesus wasn't like Adam. Jesus was a new kind of human. He would not believe the terrible lie that the enemy spoke. Jesus knew that God loved him, and Jesus would trust God no matter what. Jesus, the new humanity, the new humanity. So you're saying, well, I would like to be a new human. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a new human? Some of us are listening and thinking, man, the old way of being human has wrecked my life, so I'm ready. I'm ready. Others are thinking, I'm I'm walking with Jesus, but wow, it's really hard for me to believe in my finances or in my habits or my relationships and my sexuality that what God is asking of me in His Word would lead to joy or goodness or life. It's hard to believe that. So what do I do? How do I become a new human? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because in this season of Lent, we are on a journey, if we want to be, to becoming new humans. In a word, how we get from the old humanity to the new humanity of Jesus is repentance. Repentance. It's doing something that humans, that goes against pretty much every aspect of like a Darwinian sense of what it means to be human, right? Only the strong survive. No, 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 no. That's an old way of being human. The new way of being human says, I'll get small. I'll get low. I'll be humble. I'll get vulnerable. In the words of our psalmist today, it's this. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Lent is the journey to become new humans new humans. This is what Jesus offers us on the cross. He takes our old humanity, it's crucified with Him on the cross, and then we are raised with Him in the resurrection to become a whole new kind of person, fully alive. Saint, one of the early church fathers said it like this, the glory of God is humanity fully alive. Hans Ruckmacher said it like this, Jesus didn't come to make you Christians. He came to make you fully human, a new kind of humanity. Now, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, we're going to do one of the most human things that can be done right now. We're going to eat. We're going to celebrate. We're going to party, even on Lent. That's what Eucharist is, by the way. It's a victory celebration. It's a victory feast. Interestingly, though, we're not going to eat the same food from the same tree that Adam and Eve ate. Because in the Eucharist, we eat the food of new humanity, and it leads to everlasting life, right? The body and the blood of Jesus. And this food, this food we get by means of another tree by means of a wooden cross this time. So in the words of songwriter Sandra McCracken inviting us 
to the new humanity. We will feast in the house of Zion, new humans. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things, we will say together. We will feast and weep no more. Amen.